Well, good morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're here for the first time, I just want to say welcome. Thanks for coming, spending part of the morning with us and checking out our church. We'd love to meet you after the service. If you could just come down front and introduce yourself when we wrap up here today, that would be great. We're in this series called The One. And if you really think about it, a lot of our lives is spent looking for the one or being attracted to the one or trying to get along with the one or thinking about the one. And for some of you, maybe getting rid of the one so you can get another one. <laughs> but we're looking at uh, the Bible and seeing what God has to say about relationships in our life. And we started out last week saying that if, if you're going to ever find the one, then you're going to first have to be the one. Before you can ever find what you're looking for, you got to become what someone else is looking for. And today we're going to move on to the next part of what a relationship should evolve and be like beyond just being the one. The next obvious question when we decide, okay, I'm working on me, I'm going to be the one that somebody's looking for, and now I need some help. And the band is going to get us directed in that area. Take a listen. Each morning I get up, I die a little. Can barely stand to my feet. Take a look in the mirror and cry, Lord, what you doing to me? I've spent all my years in believing you, but I just can't.
Well, so today is about finding the one. And maybe you found yourself thinking, is it ever going to happen for me? Well, we're looking at a story in the Old Testament written by King Solomon. It's in your Bible called the Song of Songs. And maybe in your translation, it's called uh, the Song of Solomon. But whatever it's called, it's a section of Scripture that tells the story of this couple of the attraction that they had, of their courtship, of their marriage, and how all of that worked together. And we're, we're talking about that for the next several weeks. So there's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. You can keep it, you can borrow it, and you can also read along on the screen. Most of the sections of the Song of Songs, it, they are songs or poems that are written by Solomon himself, or him reciting what his wife said, whose name is never mentioned. We'll just call her Mrs. Solomon. And then there's a, a, another group of people, their friends, that they also talk to. And so we're looking at what does that mean for our relationships and our pursuit of the one, or our desire to keep the one, or our desire to have a healthy marriage, or even have a marriage at all. You might be surprised if you're new to church and new to the Bible that the Bible has a lot of advice about how to live life. If you've got money issues, the Bible will help you work through that. If you've got issues about direction in life, the Bible will help you with that. And even relationship issues, the Bible will help you with that. And so as we look at these two people talking back and forth about this love, this infatuation, this attraction that they have for each other, they do it in very direct terms. And when they talk about sex, it's done in a very godly, respectful, but direct way. And because of that, as we read through the scripture, we are going to say this series and every message in it is PG-13. So if you have your child in here and you uh, don't want to have the conversation yet, because you'll have to if they're inquisitive, and they'll ask a few questions on the way home, like, what did the pastor mean when he said this? So if you're ready for that, just leave them in here. If you're not ready for that, you need to take them over to LifePoint Kids right now, because they never talk about sex over there. <laughs> you can be assured of that. In here, you just never know. This is the adult service, so you never know what we're going to talk about. But in the Bible itself, it claims what its words are useful for. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was speaking to a young minister, a young pastor named Timothy, and he said these words, 
All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so we're looking at the Song of Songs, which means like the songs to end all songs, the best of the best, and asking what does that mean in our relationships today? Because whether you're single, married, single again, married again, on the hunt, off the hunt, wherever you are, you will find something in this love story that we're reading about where you can say, yes, that helps me take my next step. That helps me deal with what's going on in my life. That helps us as a couple. So God's word in many creative ways can get into your life and make a big difference. And so we left off the story last week while Mrs. Solomon had expressed her feelings towards Solomon, and he had expressed his feelings back to her. And what we discovered about her was that she had character, and she was attracted to his character, not just the way he looked, but she was attracted to his character, and she was very honest about who she was. Because she knew, if I'm ever going to find the one, I have to be the one first, work on me first. And so she went for character. She was very honest with the way she described herself and her insecurities. And she let Solomon know, hey, I'm not like all these other women. I have standards, but I'm really attracted to you. And I'm falling in love with you. And, and it ends, last week, we ended with this verse, with her saying this, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in its shade. And his fruit is sweet to my taste. Now, she's not talking dirty right there. What she's talking about is I desire your security. She's attracted to him, his character. And what she's trying to communicate is I desire for you to provide me with security. And so they've declared to each other his respect for her. She's let him, him know about what her standards are. And she's saying, I desire to have you in my life to bring security. I desire for your protection, Solomon, in my life. And so then they begin to talk back and forth about what it means that they found the one because they look at each other and they think, I found the person that I'm in love with. And so she says this in Song of Songs, chapter two, beginning at verse eight. Listen. My beloved, look, here he comes leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. She is speaking in terms of excitement. She's really excited. She's really excited to see him and saying, I'm so excited. There he comes. He's like a wild animal coming at me. <laughs> and I'm so excited about it. And when she says he's looking through the windows and the lattice, that's not like creeper stuff. It's him standing outside, looking inside, saying, I see you. I see you. They're excited to be together. They're excited to start to spend the day together. She likes being around him. And those of you that aren't married yet, those of you that are still dating or hoping to date, you need to like to be around the person. If you think of ways not to have to be around the person you're dating, uh, there's a problem. If you think, oh, if I, I got to listen to him one more time, you know, the relationship is probably in trouble of going to the next level. 
I mean, so many people think, well, this is not going well dating, so let's just get married and that'll fix everything. <laughs> a 30-minute ceremony in a $5,000 dress is not going to fix anything. Nothing will be different except you will have less money and you will have made a huge mistake. So if you don't get excited to see the person that you're falling in love with, if you think of ways not to see them, well, then maybe that's not the right person. Time and distance is a great indicator as to how you feel. If you like the time and distance, that's probably not the person you need to be pursuing. But on the other hand, if you're away from them and then you see them and you're like Mrs. Solomon, you're like, look at him. He's coming to me and he's, he's, he's looking in my window saying, I see you, honey. Look, I'm here. I remember when Sin and I were dating, first spring break we were dating, we'd gone on a couple dates. I was like, I really like this girl. And, you know, we hadn't exchanged I love you or anything like that, but, but I knew I really liked her. There was something different about her. So I go on spring break with my buddies. We go up in the mountains to this cabin with no electricity. And like the third day in, I'm thinking, I miss her. I would like to be around her rather than these smelly guys I'm spending a week with up in the mountains. And we go on a hike, and I'm thinking about Cinda all day, and I'm thinking, I've never felt this before. I really miss this girl. I want to go wherever she is. And so I carved our initials in a tree, and somewhere in the mountains, they're over there. I didn't let the guy see that. You get beat up or something like that. So I didn't let him see it, but somewhere in the mountains of West Virginia, there's a tree with our initials on it because I missed her. I wanted to be around her. So that trip was one of the turning points in our relationship because I remember I would rather be with her than anybody else right now. So if you're dating somebody, you got to gauge how excited am I to be around them. That's what Mrs. Solomon is saying. I get excited when he shows up. She's falling in love. She's excited to be around him. And he says back to her, and you can just see him saying this as he's peeking through the lattice worker in the window. He says, see, the winter has passed. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of the doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. And he is romantically sharing with her what he wants to do. Come with me. This is kind of like a proposal. I mean, if a guy's noticing doves cooing, he's in love. And I would imagine the flowers were there every day, but he's walking around like, I've never seen these flowers before. And you know the feeling if you've been there, the world just seems more in tune and in sync and, and you can feel the rotation of the earth, you know, and when you're in love and that's what he's feeling. He didn't just go up to the window and say, hey, get in the truck, let's go. <laughs> He's saying to her, I am in love with you. I respect you. You are changing everything about me. You are my love. Come with me. And he starts out what he says to her by saying, the winter is past. So finding the one means being excited. But finding the one involves waiting sometimes. You know, from the first snowflake of winter, the first pellet of ice, the first freezing day, I am personally looking forward to spring because I don't like winter. Some of you are relationally in a winter, and maybe you're asking, when is this going to end? Am I always going to be alone? Am I always going to be without someone, or is this relationship ever going to take a turn? And he's saying, look, winter will pass. 
But winter is the time when roots grow deeper if you take advantage of it. Winter is the time when things are dormant, but the roots are growing deeper. So when they do bloom, when spring does show up, everything is better. Waiting is a difficult thing to do, but waiting is better than meeting up with the wrong person. Waiting is better than walking down the aisle when you're not ready. Waiting is not the time to jump in and say, well, nobody else has come along, so you'll do. Because in the time of winter, when things seem difficult, when things seem gray, we're tempted to jump and make a decision because we think if I don't grab hold of it now, I'll never have it. That's the time to wait. That's the time to let the roots grow deeper. That's the time to anticipate the spring. And so they have been waiting. And he's saying, spring is here. They understood that. If you're single and taking notes, write this down. They understood, I can't build a healthy we before I build a healthy me. You can't just say, if we could just move this relationship along, things would be better. But if you take two unhealthy people, you will not have a healthy relationship. Or if you take one healthy, one unhealthy, and you come together, it will not create a healthy relationship. The only way to create a healthy relationship is for two people who are healthy themselves to come together. And the greatest temptation when you're in a winter relationally is to be impatient and move along before you're healthy, especially if you've been deeply hurt or you've made a big mistake. Have you ever heard anybody say, hey, I'm in a rebound relationship. It's the greatest thing in the world. Best thing it ever happened to is being in this rebound relationship. No. I mean, rebound relationship, people are like, whoa, 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 hold on. I don't want any of the rebound stuff. I want something that's real. That's why if you're in a season of waiting, wait, grow deeper, get ready for when springtime comes. How long? Who knows? As long as it takes. And you don't have to be dating to be in a season of winter. Maybe your marriage is in a season of winter where things just aren't working like they used to work, where physically the, the, the spark has gone out. You no longer notice the blooming flowers and the cooing doves, and, and something is just not the same. And if you're in that season, that's not the time to give up. That's not the time to throw in the towel. If you're in that season, it's time to ramp up the effort to make sure you make it through the winter because every marriage has a winter. And for you, that might mean getting in a married group with some other couples and helping work through whatever issues. It might mean individually, each of you do that. It might mean coming to our married people event that we're going to have. It might mean going to a, a marriage counselor to help you work through whatever you're dealing with. Whatever it means, fight to take your marriage through the winter. And if you're dating well, the winter for you is, you got this equipment that God gave you, you're not supposed to use it. I mean, that's the hardest part about dating. I mean, your body wants to go in one direction, but God says, no, that is reserved for marriage. When, when sex is in, introduced into a dating relationship, it messes with your judgment because you've accelerated what's reserved for marriage and now you're connected with a person in a way that, that God doesn't want you to be connected with them until you're married. And so now your judgment is off. Now you're looking at him saying, he is so fine I, and so hot, I want my kids to look like that. But you got to push through that. 
Because you might be thinking he's so fine and so hot, but how's he doing at respecting what God says to do with your body before you're married? Because if ladies, you're looking at the guy that if you marry him, he is going to be the most influential person or should be in your children's life, no matter how he looks, no matter how good or how not good that he might look to you, he's going to be the most influential person. So what do you look for? Not just looks, but look for the person that you can look at them and respect their character. And so this season of waiting while dating is so difficult. But if you push through, there's going to be a finish line that you will remember for the rest of your life. I can remember when Cinda and I were dating. We got engaged in October, and we got married in June. And we're human. Temptations came our way. We were college students. We had to set up some boundaries and make some rules so things didn't go too far. But after I proposed, I got on one knee, handed her to that ring, and she said yes, I started counting down because I knew the finish line was June 6, 1992. <laughs> That's right. I knew what was happening, when it was happening. So I was like, I got this. I can go that far because I knew what the finish line was. I ran a 5K once downtown, and, and at the end of this, this finish line, they had this big blow-up thing over the finish line, and I was really tired. I had my family with me, and I was determined I was going to beat everybody in my family. I took off, and I, I, I definitely got past my wife, my youngest daughter, really fast. And my older daughter, well, she, she runs. She was on cross-country at the time, but she got a cramp, so I was able to just leave her, <laughs> leave her by the side and keep running. And then I rounded the last turn, and I could see several hundred yards down this big red finish line. And our youth pastor's wife like, came up beside of me, and I was like, there's no way she's going to beat me. And because I saw that finish line, and I was like, it might be a heart attack, or it might be taking a trip to the hospital, but I'm not going to be beaten. I'm real competitive. And so I beat her by just a few, a few steps. But when I saw the finish line, it got easier. So if you're dating, and you're in this season of winter, when you're having to deal with those emotions that God put in you, I mean, he designed you to deal with that stuff. When you're having to deal with that, remember, there is a finish line coming, and it messes up relationships when you introduce that into the relationship too quickly. Here, here's why it messes things up. Here's why it, it really skews the way that you see the relationship and the way you interact with each other. Because when you're dating somebody, you don't know if the marriage is going to happen. And you just let things go a little too far physically and you say, let's just do it. Let's just give in to the urges within us and let's do it. It's like these two pieces of Play-Doh. It's clearly purple and orange. You got guy, you got girl and get your mind out of the gutter. But you got guy and you got girl. But they come together and take things too far too fast and here's what happens. They get connected in ways that God reserved for marriage. And then, a few weeks later, because I love you start getting thrown around and somebody gets scared and somebody feels trapped because the relationship got things out of order and then you say, let's break this off. Let's break up now. It's not going to work. Just like you can't separate these colors without a little bit of the other color being left, when you give yourself away physically to somebody else and that ends and you walk away, Little pieces of you get left behind. So God's not just saying wait till marriage because he doesn't want you to have fun. We're talking about that next week. You don't want to miss that. 
He's not saying because I don't want you to have fun. He's saying because it's the best for you emotionally. And if you got to deal with a season of winter where you just have to say no, where you just have to put up boundaries, if you got to deal with that, get around friends, take cold showers, I don't know, whatever you have to do to deal with it because this is hard to fix. Now, can it be fixed? Yes, and I'm going to tell you how to do that. This is not meant to throw guilt at people. But at the end of this message, I'll tell you, how do you, how do you separate those? How do you get back to what you were before? So the waiting of winter, if you let it, it will guide you toward the one that can win your heart if you just wait. So they're saying in this section, we're finished. We're finished waiting. Winter is over. Spring is here. We know where the finish line is. It means what you think it means. They're talking about, we cannot wait till the wedding night because it is going to get hot in here. That's what they're starting to talk about. Listen to what he says to her. My dove in the clefts of the rock, the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. He's saying finding the one means pursuing intimacy. Intimacy doesn't always mean sex. Intimacy means an openness, a familiarity. And he's saying, you're safe with me. You want to sit under the shade of my tree? Come on and have a seat because you are safe with me. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. I mean, he's not being a rough, gruff guy saying, I'm going to climb that cliff. I'm going to grab that dove and I'm going to put that dove in my truck. He's not saying that. He's saying, I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. You are safe with me. He's gentle and loving and respectful. Intimacy means that I never have to fear being myself with the one I love. And he goes on to talk about his love and respect for her and their boundaries. He says this, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. Now, earlier we see that vineyards was the body. When she talked about not taking care of her vineyard and working outside and being muscular, which was not necessarily attractive in that day, she talks about her body, the vineyard. And he's saying, our vineyards are in bloom. He's saying, I am turned on. I I want something to happen. And because I'm in full bloom, we need to watch out because those little foxes will ruin our vineyards. Because back in that day, there were foxes that would come into their vineyards and they would stunt the growth of the plant by eating the fruit. And so there was no fruit to bear. The the growth of the plant was stunted. And so people hated foxes. Back in the spring last year, I I wanted my wife to have, she wanted to have some flowers around the house, outside. And so she said, I want to go to Lowe's. I want to get a bunch of plants for outside. So we go and spend $200 on these beautiful flowering plants. Because guys, when your wife wants to spend $200 on plants, you go spend $200 on plants. And so we go get the plants. We get them all planted. A couple days later, I'm walking out of my back porch deer, walking through my backyard, eating the plants that we had just planted, eating all the flowers that just bloom once a year off my $200 worth of plants. And so I'm like, get out. They stand there. It was the time of the year when does like, you don't mess with them because they'll get you. I didn't know that. And so, <laughs> so I, I bend down and I'm like, it didn't attack me. But then I started to remember, wait, I read an email about don't approach a doe, but I was like, you're eating my plants. You're getting out of here. So we have this gravel pit around the fire pit, and I picked up a little pebble, 
don't judge me. And I threw it and I hit it. It stood there. I picked up another one. I threw it harder. It hit it. I picked up a handful and with a lot of velocity, I slung it at that deer. It it looked at me like, is that all you got? I mean, it just stood there. So I pick up a chair and I go towards the deer. And finally, not hitting the deer again with the chair or anything, I finally scared it away. My neighbors probably thought, who is this lunatic? 6.30 in the morning. And it was before church. And I was out there pushing the deer away and it finally ran, but after it had already ruined the plants that I'd bought. And Solomon is saying, look, I have desires. I'm in full bloom and you are too. We've expressed that to each other, but we gotta watch those little foxes because we don't wanna jump ahead before we're supposed to. So finding the one requires boundaries in my life. If I'm going to find the one, I have to understand I need to set up boundaries. And years ago, first 12 years of my ministry, I worked with college students. And so many times they would come in my office and they would talk about their failures sexually and how they thought that that would bring them closer together, but it actually stunted the growth of the relationship. And I want, in my head, I'm going, duh, don't you listen when I teach? I I didn't say that. I'm more sensitive than that. But I would help them work through, yeah, that's what happens when you get things out of order and you don't wait through your season of winter. And so I would guide them. You guys need to set up some boundaries. Like what? Start with this. Four on the floor at all times. Just remember that. What do you mean? Keep all four of your feet on the floor all the time. Don't go where you know that you're about to let a fox into the vineyard. Just don't go there. Just stay off the couch when you're watching a movie. Don't lower the seat in the car when you're kissing them goodnight. Don't do that. Don't be alone with the lights down in your room or your apartment. Stay around friends. And I gave them some ideas from my own experience. Here's how you set up boundaries so you don't stunt the growth of the relationship. Now, this one is probably really hard for some people to get. What do you mean that stunts the growth of a relationship? It does. People who choose to say, we're going to go ahead and just move in together. We're going to try this thing out. I'm not going to buy a used car without trying it out, so I'm not going to get married without trying it out first, so let's live together. And when I say that, I can think of a few friends that lived together before marriage, have a wonderful marriage, great kids, godly relationship. But those are the exceptions. And if you're one, you know you're the the exception to the rule. And I've sat with people who said, we're just going to get this out of order and we're just going to do it this way just because we want to. And, well, actually, Donnie, essentially we're married. Essentially you're not married. Marriage is when you make a commitment, not just a spiritual commitment before God and family and friends. You make a legal commitment to say, I will protect you. I will be by your side. And the only way to get out of this thing is legal action. That's when you're married. And so people who choose to move in together before that, they get things out of order. And most of the time, not every time, but most of the time, it stunts the growth of the relationship. So finding the one can be so exciting, but can also mean waiting, doing the right things at the right time. Finding the one means that as you get closer and closer, and you can see the finish line, you, you make sure there are boundaries there. Not so you don't have fun, 
but so you protect your relationship so it can grow as deep as it needs to grow. So when winter is over and springtime comes, storms can come, but you're going to stand because you've got deep roots because you develop them in the winter. But if you just let things go and make, a, make decisions because of how you feel all the time and jump on every urge, you will stunt the growth of the relationship. Now, for some of you, finding the one means that you got to get out of the relationship you're in. You're dating somebody, and they're not good for you. You're dating somebody, and you think that marriage is going to make it all better when it's actually going to make it worse. And for some of you, you might be married to somebody, and you're thinking, i got to get out of this. i got to get out of this. And the reality is marriages end, but they shouldn't end before a long, hard fight to save it. They shouldn't end before you've done everything possible within your power to make sure that you're not just walking away from something that God wants to keep together. So these teachings from Solomon and Mrs. Solomon, they can apply wherever you are. And so if your marriage is hanging on by a thread, don't give up. Keep it together. Work through the winter. Develop deeper roots as, far, as long as everything that's under your control, you can't make somebody else, but you can do that on your own, even if the other party doesn't want to. And what if when I, when I put these two pieces of Play-Doh together, it felt like a knife going through your heart because this is you. And, and you've split up and little pieces of yourself have been left behind. And you think, I want to get back to where it's just me, where it's just me and my purity. And the beauty of the gospel of Christ is that you can get back there. The Apostle Paul, speaking to a group of people in a church of a bunch of messed up people, just like us, people who had made mistakes, people who had messed up sexually, people who had messed up morally, and he's speaking to these people who would have looked like this. And he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. So don't let this and the fact you've messed up fill you up with guilt. Know that no matter what's happened, where you've been, what you've done, a new creation can be made in you because of Christ. And for some of you, the best thing you can do to have stronger relationships in your life with the person you're with, with the person you hope to be with, with the person you're pursuing, is to start with letting Christ make you new. Because when that relationship is strong, Maybe that's why you're in the winter, so your relationship with him can get deeper and stronger. But when that relationship is stronger, everything else around you will start to benefit from that light and your newness and your new creation and your new renewed purity. All that can come back to you simply by obeying Christ, simply by saying, forgive me, God, I want to start again, or taking that first step towards Christ in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you for this example of a godly relationship. And Father, so many of us in this room, all of us in this room have messed up. And we acknowledge that we mess up. And we also acknowledge we know that's what Jesus is for, is to reach down to us in the depths of our winter, our sin, our mistakes, our misguidedness, and make us new. God, I pray for the people right now that need to feel new, that 
they would take a step today, whether in their seat or down front, and let you make them new. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.